This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Woodburn. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today we have a four-topic show for you. We are talking Jimmy Butler going off at practice with third stringers. We got Ryan McDonough being fired by the Phoenix Suns. We have DeJounte Murray's season-ending ACL tear. And wrapping it up with rookie expectations. That one is my topic, my choice. Uh, If it bombs, then blame me. If it exceeds and then, does then great, thank me. then thank me. No, so, thank, thank Dave. Yeah, thank Dave. There you go. Thank Dave. He's the mastermind behind uh, picking all these topics. Carry but this shit. I think it's going to be fun. We're going to go through the top big names, at least top 10 or whatever, um, and just give some expectations, some some stat lines, because people love stat lines. People love storylines. It's going to be a good time. Uh, but before we jump into that, we're going to tell you one thing to do. Rate us on iTunes. I think we're at 39 reviews for the Fast Break Ooh. Podcast. So if you can get us to 40, 45 we would be greatly appreciative of that. So if you have not rated us on iTunes, head over to iTunes, type in the Fast Break Podcast. You should see our logo. Give us a five-star rating. We would greatly appreciate it. We'd love the support. And let's jump in to the podcast. We're going to talk a little bit briefly about Jimmy Butler and the practice incident that occurred, I believe it was on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Butler, if you haven't heard, shows up to practice after missing, I think, like three weeks, comes in, absolutely dominates, square, swearing at the Wolves GM, like, this is why you have to need me, and apparently he took the third stringers and beat the first stringers, and he was going after Cat, he was going after Wiggins, and then he talked with uh, Rachel Nichols after, and he just said he wants to be appreciated. It's not about, you know, his teammates, it's about his the, the front office and the way they're treating him. So looking at this and looking at this outburst from Jimmy Butler, what were your guys' immediate thoughts, and how do you think this really translates to the possible trade of him going out of Minnesota? I mean, bravo, first off, for the planned media session post, <laughs> like, the FU practice. Like, that that took a little bit of coordination. Um, I, I don't disagree with his tactics, though, because, you know, it came out in that meeting that he told Tibbs four days after the season ended how he felt. So you had the entire summer to work with Jimmy, help him feel like he is the guy on the team, you know, resolve his unhappy feelings. And yet it's all the way we're, you know, a week before the season starts at this point. And he's obviously not happy. He's verbally, publicly talking about this and you're still not doing anything. So like, I, I think he's totally in the right. I think he absolutely was in the clear. And I think it was a kind of a telling story that, you know, he went out there, beat down the starters with the third stringers and, the fact that people are laughing about it is sad on two parts. Like the fact that you got beat by third stringers shows where's your level of commitment? Where's your level of effort on one end? But probably even the outside, it's like, what the f is going on here? Mm-hmm. Well, I will say like it's practice. I know, shouldn't read too much. It, it was practice and Jimmy Butler was clearly motivated to do something crazy. Yeah. And Kat and Wiggins could just be out there being like, what the hell is going on? And mm-hmm. then just, you know. Uh, you know, lose that way. We don't know how by, how, how by much or whatever. Um, yeah. But still, it's a bad story just on the surface. Yeah. Ricky, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, for me right away, there was there's kind of two... I've got two Rickies, one on each shoulder. We know and you have two Rickies. There's one that is like, yes, the drama. I love it. Like, comes out, basically is like, F you. It kind of reminded me, and I'm not making a direct comparison. I have to say that because everyone on YouTube thinks you make a direct comparison. But... Like when Dave's like, oh yeah, beat him with the third stringers. It kind of reminds me of like Dream Team, where it's like Chuck Daly would be like, oh yeah, by the way, 
you're winning. All right, we're going to switch the best player on the team, Jordan, over to the other team, and then they would the team would usually win. Kind of reminded me of that. All right, the T-Bulls' best player is Jimmy. He's going to make that side go, especially with Cat and Wiggins, how he's unhappy with them because of their effort. But then there's the side of me that's like, all right, Jimmy, I know this is strategic where it's like, hey, I want to tank my trade value for other teams besides because the Clippers and Heat are not going to care about this. Like, mm-hmm. if he gets traded to Miami, I'll say them because they were the closest to get a deal done. He goes to Miami. This is not going to affect him in Miami because of what they have there. Pat Riley, who wants to win. Eric mm-hmm. Spolster is the coach. Like, this isn't going to be something when I see, like, oh, hurt his trade value. It's like it doesn't hurt with, like, the Clippers and the Heat, but it might hurt it with well, an outside team being like, real, do we want to give up that many assets for Jimmy? Real quick, wh- where did you see he tanked his trade value? Or is that a thought of your own? That's a thought of my own. Okay, why do you like, think he hurt his trade value? No, I'm Because I'm on the opposite side. I'm saying with teams that he doesn't want to go to, there might be, I'll throw the Bulls out there. I know the Bulls aren't yeah, a team because we traded them. hypothetical. But we'd, but we'd probably take it back. If it's a, te- <laughs> if it's a team like the <laughs> Bulls, for Butler straight up. why would a team go, eh, we're on the outside of his list. Why would I give up assets for this? It would kind of turn off a team that is not in his list of teams that might be willing, like a Blazers might be willing to give up assets for a Jimmy Butler. But when it comes to the Clippers and the Heat, it didn't hurt his trade well, value we, because those teams know what they're getting, we, and they have guys like Jerry West and Pat Riley instilled in those organizations. With what you're saying, I don't think it really—I think saying tanking his trade value is the mm-hmm. wrong thing to but say. hurting his trade value. I, I don't think it's hurting it, though, either. I think it's mm-hmm. just shrinking the teams that are would, would trade for him. Mm-hmm. But I also think it this would—if I was a GM, this would increase my interest. Because not only is he Even clearly if you were fighting— Even outside of the, like, let's yeah. say, top four? If I would—oh, yeah. If I'm, a, if I'm a team like the Nuggets, because I think the top four mm-hmm. is probably the Clippers, the Heat— Houston, I know, is trying to get a deal, and we'll just use the Knicks just mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, whatever. We don't know where the Nuggets yeah. are, but let's just say the Nuggets are outside because we haven't really heard much they about are. them, but yeah. they would be a much improved team, and they'd be winning um, if they added Jimmy Butler. If I am, you know, the Nuggets, I love this kind of thing because, one, it just means they want to get him out quicker. If he's actually going to do this all the time, he's going to, you know, be a, a, a nuisance on the floor and mm-hmm. you know, attack our players and then also attack us. Like, we don't want this guy around. Um, and I think that was Jimmy's sole purpose was, all right, I am going to tell you to trade me. I'm going to scream at you. I'm going to ruin your practices. I'm going to make all of, my, all of your practices about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so just trying to burn all of his bridges in Minnesota, I think it's a smart thing if he does want to get traded. Um, and, but also with, with the Nuggets, it's going to make it them you know easier to make a deal with the Timberwolves, who apparently have been horrible to make a deal with. There was one thing. I don't know if it's a substantiated rumor or not. Um, the Timberwolves and Heat were very close to making a deal. And then right before they were about to agree, Tibbs started asking Riley for more draft picks. And mm-hmm. then uh, I think Pat Riley hung up the phone and screamed, motherfucker. Um, yeah. And like, rage. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I could totally no. see it happening with well, all the rumors that are coming out. They so said today on Highly Questionable, they said bleeper, bleeper. But yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. I just think that, again, like... It's going to make it easier to trade for him, mm-hmm. so that's going to at least fight up the competition for the teams that are in for him, so it's kind of increasing his trade value. And also, I love this. Why wouldn't you want a guy like this? I know I've been critical of Kawhi Leonard before. I've been critical of Jimmy Butler as well mm-hmm. for being a locker room cancer, yeah, yeah. but this was kind of what I was saying when we first did this about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, was that he wants to be the guy on the team, and seeing Wiggins get... Uh, that much money, five years, $147 million. Seeing Carl Anthony Towns get five years, $190 million, 
obviously he's not going to be their number one priority, mm-hmm. even if he re-signed with them, because those guys are younger, so they're going to have a longer career in Minnesota, and they have more control over him. So him doing this clearly wants him being out. It validates my reason and thinking why he wants to be around there. He wants to be validated and be seen as the number one guy. But then also, it's showing his competitive side. Mm-hmm. And if he wants to win this badly, it is going to extremely help my team. And then you also got to look what the Timberwolves Wolves were last year. With Jimmy Butler, they were a great team. Without him, they were not. So yeah. it's pretty simple. Jimmy Butler is going to help your team. And I think his attitude is a large part of that. So even if he is injured, even if he's not on the floor, if he's happy, he is going to be a major plus to your team. So if I'm a team that's outside, but not too far out like the Bulls, mm-hmm. I would you know, increase my interest in, in Jimmy Butler after this, because I don't think if he's going to be happy, he's going to be doing things like this that are going to be negatively hurting the team. Because last year, he wasn't really negatively hurting mm-hmm. the team, even if, even if he was unhappy. It came out after the season. Right. But the question is, will he be happy? Because like with the yeah. Clippers and Heat, I think he would be on a team like you throw the Nuggets out there, but a team that might be in a similar situation like the T-Wolves that might have younger talent or may not have that veteran presence in their um, GM and coaching spot, mm-hmm. it's kind of a question mark to me whether he'll be happy. I think the most telling statement from the interview with Rachel Nichols was, my number one priority is to win. Mm-hmm. If your number one priority isn't to win, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. And that statement alone, when he wasn't naming names, and I know he, we all knew who he was talking about, but when he's talking about guys going out trying to get their numbers, worrying about themselves, that's not how you run a locker room. That's not how you play basketball. That's not how you win games, go towards the championship. Like, that's the wrong attitude to have. He has the right attitude. Like, if I'm Pat Riley, I'm like, all right, I really want this guy now. Anyone in the league should be like, I've got a team of guys who want to win badly. That's the number one priority in this locker room. We don't have any divas in here. We don't have anyone who's out to get for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like that right there meant the most to me as an outsider hearing him say that. I was like, yep, this guy's legit. It's not, you know, him beefing with guy, younger guys over like little things here and there. It's legitimate attitude problems that they're displaying on the court, off the court. Like mm-hmm. there's no getting past that. Yeah. And I think, you know, we when we've seen outbursts from Jimmy Butler, the end of Chicago, the end of Minnesota, he wasn't really feeling like he was the number one guy in Chicago because mm-hmm. obviously he was fighting a little bit with D. Rose. It wasn't really a question on the court-wise, but mm-hmm. obviously fan, uh, you know, D. Rose had the fan adoration oh, yeah. um, clearly, and I think it was tough for him to really see that. And then when D. Wade come, came over, that was a winner. He was probably hearing stories of all these winning times. Mm-hmm. And Fred Hoiberg, while the team did end up making the playoffs, they weren't going to win anything. And I think he kind of saw the we writing of the beat, walls. We should have beat the Celtics. I'm just going to say that. Okay, would have you? Would you have beaten Golden State? No. Okay, well, so my point beat, stands. I'm just saying we would have won, won anything. something. I don't care. Um, but like <laughs> the thing is, is, like the the thing is, is that like he wasn't going to see that himself winning a ring mm-hmm. in Chicago. I don't blame him. Uh, so now it makes it, his at least motivations a little more clear, and I think that at least as a GM makes it easier for me because my point and my job is to make this team win. Mm-hmm. So if I am doing my job correctly, Jimmy Butler will be happy. Jimmy Butler can sign long-term with this team. And again, we can have Jimmy Butler for the next five years on our team if he does end up resigning. And he's going to clearly help our team for the next three years and help us win. See, I'm on the other side. If you are, and I'm going to say it again, if it's not the Heat, not the Clippers, I'll throw the Rockets in there too. If you're not a team in those three I would be sitting there going, I'm a little worried because even think about when he came over with the Wolves, the press conference, I'm happy to be here, I can't wait to be here, gave out his cell phone number for fans to call him. That was pretty cool. And it's like how quickly things have turned from great to bad. I would be sitting there going, am I going to give up a ton of assets 
to risk that happening to us if he is not happy this year, next year. If you are a stable organization, you should be fine trading for Jimmy Butler, and those are my thoughts. You look at Timberwolves before mm-hmm. he got there, they weren't making the playoffs. He comes, they were making the playoffs. And it's just looked like if he he probably you know looked at from the outside, if he wasn't on this team, they wouldn't be making the playoffs. And 100%. It's as fair as that. And like Dave was saying, you know, it doesn't seem like Cat and Wiggins are really in that stage of their career to be like, all right, I'm dedicated to winning only. They're trying to still figure their way in the league and mm-hmm. also make a name for themselves so they can increase their revenue. And if you can increase your revenue at 22, it's going to make you a much easier sell when oh, you're 28. Yeah. So, and especially if you keep performing on the floor. So, anyways, those are my thoughts on Jimmy Butler. Any final thoughts on Butler? I think it just makes it easier to trade him, and I think the Wolves need to do it as soon as possible, and it seems like they're well, not going to do that. And the last thing I would say is you kind of touched on it, and this could probably be the biggest part of it is you look at the ages. I'm going to throw Cat, Wiggins, and Butler out there. Butler's 29. Mm-hmm. He's in that mode where I'm in my prime. I want to win before I get out of my prime, whereas yep. Wiggins and Cat, it's like we're 22, 23. We're not even in our prime yet. We're not even thinking about rings right now because even like with LeBron, we see that same kind of over his career, that same story of, like, mm. the stat king and, like, the king. Then later on when he got older, when he was in his prime, I want to win championships, goes to Miami to do so, then comes back, I'm going to do it for my city when he's even older than that. So it's kind of a similar thing, I would say, in that of, like, Cat and Wiggins aren't really thinking about that trophy where Jimmy Butler, that's all he can think about. I disagree with the LeBron thing. I don't want to get too much mm-hmm. into it, but basically, I mean, he even though he was putting up crazy numbers, they were also, like, number one in the East, like, uh, even before yeah, 2007. No. So, I mean, he just had didn't have a team to win around him. Mm-hmm. I think he got yeah. taste of that super young and super early. So his vision kind of changed, and I think he always kind of had that vision. You know, if he if he was going to be the greatest of all time, he needed to start And he wasn't the guy who sacrificed his numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. If you remember, like, the Heat, it was Wade and Bosh yeah. whose numbers mm-hmm. went down pretty dramatically. So, like... I'm not 100% on that, but I think I think the point is that if you're, a, like Sean said, if you're a stable organization and if you feel like your superstar or your team is aligned right now to compete and they're all in, then it's 100% go. Like, there's no reason that, like, a team like Miami wouldn't pull the trigger on this. I don't think that Well, it seems like they're trying to. It seems it's like just, Minnesota's not. Well, yeah, Thibodeau feet. get in the way. Right. And so how, I, how long will it be? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that... Miami's clearly the, the ones. We'll see if they can finish it. We'll see if Thibodeau is still, you know, employed. Yeah. Well, and I think I'm, I'm wondering if they're that, not going that, to be. No, as the um, uh, GM, president of basketball operations. I don't think so. If he'll be removed as that before he's removed as a coach. Mm-hmm. I think when he gets fired, he gets fired. Okay. I think they're just going to get rid of all of it, and I think it's going to be soon, especially if he's not dealt. Yeah. I think I, I, think, I think serious I think action is going dealing, to yeah. change because if this keeps happening yep. to the Timberwolves, it's going to be a bad look for the owner. He's going to need to have to change something. You're not getting the job done, Tom Thibodeau. You need to be canned. And, you know, obviously that's going to be a horrible look right before the season, but you can change that by winning and by putting investments into these young players. And also, I personally have the belief that I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to take this team into their, you know, next evolution or revolution or whatever. Um, I think, you know, Tom Thibodeau is going to be a very brief era uh, in Minnesota. Uh, final thing, too, it's I think it's kind of like more of Jimmy Butler than to mm-hmm. a LeBron James or what they're going through. Because well, Jimmy, Jimmy had to, Jimmy had to, you know, make sure that he was finding a stable spot in the NBA, mm-hmm. go from a guy who was drafted, you know, last of the first round, build up to get a starting spot yeah, on the Bulls. Yeah, he wasn't a make number sure one he pick. Was, yeah, dominating himself as a number one player, mm-hmm. and then also prove that he can be an all-star. Like, Jimmy had much more of a a, a, a closer, you know, come up to mm-hmm. Cat and Wiggins rather than a LeBron James. The way I should have worded it is that he, LeBron, finally learned how to win 
in Miami. Like that's when he learned how to win. But his that's title. also because of his team. Yeah, I know. I mean, he, and then he took that to Cleveland and then won. Zunis Ogausters and like Drew Gooden mm-hmm. on that team. Uh, anyways, let us know your thoughts. Uh, and who else? Like Darius Miles, I think was on the team. Uh, let us know what your Delonte. thoughts on the Jimmy Butler. And thank you. That's what I was like. Yeah. To us. Let us know your thoughts on the Jimmy Butler situation. Uh, you know, where do you think he's going to get traded to? Do you think Tom Thibodeau should be fired anytime soon? Do you think Jimmy Butler was in the wrong? Um, I personally love this move from Jimmy Butler. I think it was baller as hell. But let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. But let's jump into the next topic, and that is Ryan McDonough getting fired as the general manager of the Phoenix Suns. We should have had our boy uh, Zeon. To, to talk about it, but Ooh, we, we didn't end up good. getting that scheduled. Uh, but Ryan McDonough was hired on May 7th of 2013 as the GM of the Suns, and his tenure has now come up after October 8th of 2018 when he was relieved of his duties. Very odd timing for them to fire their GM after a draft, after a free agency, after the season didn't even start. I mean, this was very similar to, or, you know, after the season <laughs> ended, not after the season ended, uh, and not even before the season, season started. started yeah. yeah, I mean, just a very weird time. You mean, look at last year, they fired Earl Watson after three games. So you look at this move. Classy organization. What are your first thoughts, at least on Ryan McDonough being fired by Suns? I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I think the timing is just wrong like it's it's absolutely wrong if you're going to get rid of a gm you do it before the draft you let a new gm draft the guy and i mean let's be fair we all thought it was going to be deandre Ayton going to the suns anyway that, that wasn't like exactly a mystery but at the same time i go why not just go ahead and pull the trigger because do you like the move for ryan anderson I mean, do you think that that, that that sets up a team for success the trevor reason move same thing like you're letting him spend money on multiple year contracts and then you're, you know, kicking him out of town with a four days to go till the regular season starts. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Or like a week, whatever it was. I just, I think the move itself is fine. I think the timing is the most ridiculous thing. Like if he's going to be bad and you want to blame him for everything, that's fine. You guys don't have a point guard. That's on him. Be my guest. But like y'all should have pulled the trigger on that earlier. Like, or let him ride out the season. And then guess what? You get to, you know, first pick a grab whoever's up after the season. So I just, I think the timing's suspect. Ricky? For me, it was just, when you sent it to us, I was just confused. Because it's like, not only is it so close to the start of the season, the last thought that I could have in my head was, when we talked to Z last time about the Suns, he didn't have anything bad to say about McDonough. Like, it was like... To me, as an outsider, just confusing. Like, that's the word I would use to, like, huh, why now? Why this? Like, what prompted this out of nowhere? Because really, the new GM coming in, besides trades, what can you do during the season? Yeah. I mean, wait, what? Besides, like, you're not going to sign any free agents. You're going to make draft picks during the season. I think the biggest thing is we look at what was happening. Mm -hmm. And I think before. The Ryan Anderson trade, I I think this team was in a fine spot because, yes, you didn't have clarity at that point guard position because you didn't have uh, at least a stonewall Mm -hmm. for sure locked in player um, because, obviously, we know the past injuries um, of a Brandon Knight. We're not sure if he's going to come back and bounce back fully healthy. He's already out injured right now. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, (laughs) that's not a guy you can really bank on to be a a fifth starter. And clearly, they weren't really fully going to push Devin Booker into that one spot. So you needed to make a move for a point guard. You didn't do that. That might have been on his checklist, and that might have been enough was enough. That was the final straw. So it had to be. I mean, that, that's probably the only reasoning why 
Um, you didn't, and also, I mean, general manager, you're still gonna have to bring up guys. You still have to sign, you know, player spots when people, you know, get injured. Right. Um, you're, there's a lot of duties of a general manager. It's not like, oh, team's done on October 18th. Just I'll see you at trade deadline. Kick up the feet. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So I mean, once once you know, once they didn't get a point guard, I think that was probably the final straw. But still. I look at this last offseason, and it was fantastic for Ryan McDonough. And I mm-hmm. even said it after our draft video, or in, in my draft recap when you guys were yeah. on VidCon, I thought it was the best draft that of that year. Now, maybe looking back, it was a little bit shaky because they got rid of that 2021 unprotected first-round pick from Miami. But you still look at it, they got Aiton, who's arguably the best choice in the draft. Yeah. Some people say Luca, but clearly you, I mean, it's not, you didn't make a wrong no. choice mm-hmm. going I mean, with We won't know Aiton. that for five years. Easy. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense going with Aiton. Yep. You end up getting Miles Bridges, who was a top 10 player in all of our mock drafts. We look at Eli Okobo, who was a fantastic kid from... Phenom inter- came on late. Yeah, yeah. from France. I, I loved him from, from three. He looks like a developing young point mm-hmm. guard. Uh, and then, you know, you look at the year before, he ends up taking Josh Jackson. Like, he wasn't having... Like his past two drafts haven't been bad, is what I've been trying to say. Mm-hmm. And Newick of Agency, he goes out and gets Trevor Ariza, an addition that we thought was pretty damn good. It was an um, interesting one because now they're super deep at the wing. Yeah, and but I also think it makes sense because you needed veteran leadership outside of Tyson Chandler. I agree with there. that. You needed yeah. a new veteran voice in there, and I think Someone who's Trevor Ariza was a good choice. Someone who's losing 60 games a year. I mean, that's that's... Honestly, the game changer for them is where's the motivation coming from? Where's the attitude in the locker room? Because after you lose so many games every single year, it's just a culture. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to change up the culture. So I, I like the move of bringing in Trevor. He's a, a guy who's been there, done that, won that, and is very good still for his age. Like, I think it was a good move. Well, and you let him pick a coach, too. Like, you you have a brand-new coach in Igor coming in, yep. and you don't let you know Ryan McDonough have any control over the roster now, and now he has to deal with James Jones, who we don't know what he'll do um, so a, as LeBron. a new choice. He's like, where's um, LeBron at? I mean, he's obviously has the you know, championship pedigree uh, that <laughs> he's Phoenix well desires. He's uh, well-respected, at least among the league, and he's younger, so like I think that he understands, like— Ryan McDonough was younger than I'm pretty sure. Ryan McDonough's like he? 34. What? Yeah, Ryan McDonough's like a child. Oh, my God. That, that that's he's 37. I'm pretty okay. sure James Jones is mm-hmm. over 37. They're years probably old. about the same age, yeah. But James Jones played in the league, and James Jones won rings. Like there's a difference. Like I'm not saying James Jones deserved all those rings, but he followed LeBron James. Ryan. James Jones is 38. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, Ryan McDonald was younger. Okay, whatever. My point being, <laughs> James Jones is more in touch with the players. He understands. He was part of the uh, players' association. Uh, I think that him stepping into the role. It's going to be a good thing. I just was kind of taken aback by the timing. That's for me. That's still a startling move. I like the addition of like a D'Anthony Melton. I think that you know if they decide to roll with he and uh, Ali Okobo and just be like screw it this year, we're going to suck again. Be well, they guess. don't have a choice. Even well, if they get an upgrade at the point guard, they're still going to suck. I TBD TBD. But they've got a lot of wing depth. They got a lot of young kids. They got to get playing time. That's the big thing. Out of the sixteen teams in the Western Conference, gun to your head, where are you putting them? You're putting them fifteen or sixteen. Don't lie. Yeah. I am. So they don't have a chance. They don't. They don't have a shot in hell. There's two if they clear, had a point guard. Uh, no. If they had a point guard, Devin Booker stays healthy the whole year. Josh Jackson decides to you know not brick and play like the second half of last year. Like there's a chance this team's decent. They're too young. They're well, too they're young, and young. they need. But and they could that point win guard would, thirty games instead of twenty games. But the chance, when you say they have a chance to be decent, I'm thinking yeah. like playoffs. No, 30 it's wins. The West. That's what I'm saying. Like 30 it's wins is nothing. West. 30 wins is nothing at all Compared in to the Western what, Conference. What's the record been the last couple of years? Uh, that's true. I mean, I'm not saying it's not an improvement, 30 but, it's, wins is but it's also, I mean, 
You need more than that to say it's actually a success. I mean, you've got a team with the average age of younger than the, you know, college champions, I'm pretty sure. Also, mm-hmm. I think the expectation is you're going to be the wor- one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. Just a be bad. Percent, yeah. Just be bad so you get another high pick yeah. to make this team for sure good, you know, in, in four or five years. Like, you extended them in 2017, too. So it's not like he was, like, at the end of his contract. Mm-hmm. Like, he just resigned. Yeah. Well, and that so, just makes it more confusing of, like, why? And also the thing that... I look into is I could be wrong with this, but you've got a guy in James Jones who he played his last season was the 2017 season. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like why are you? Yes, you're bringing him up as the to be the interim, but he hasn't had a ton of experience being a GM. Is that good? I know he's got the player experience, but he was around the right kind of guys too. He was around LeBron James, basically. No, that's who he followed. Look at my, his time in Miami, mm-hmm. being around Spolstra, Pat and, Riley. And Pat Riley. He comes back to Cleveland, mm-hmm. and obviously, before they got rid of, I can never remember his name, Dave uh, Griffin. David Griffin, another mm-hmm. smart GM. So, like, if he took, and I don't know, I'm making assumptions here, but I'm going to assume mm-hmm. that during that time, he was very, very. Yeah, talking to them quite a bit. I mm-hmm. think that he's he's the kind of guy who would be interested in what they're doing because it seems like he had that career path in mm-hmm. mind already that he wants to be a front office kind of guy. So he's got the right kind of connections to talk to guys and get an idea. Like, and as far as connections, those are pretty good ones. I just the the thing I relate it to is like it's good to have those kind of mentors and yeah. have those people you can look to. But I kind of relate it to. Since all my life in college, I was in the teaching profession where it was, you can have so many mentors, you get thrown into that room for the first time and it's like, whoa, this is a different animal. I am all on my my own here. And the Suns are a team where they're not the Cavaliers, they're not the Miami Heat. It's going to be a completely different animal. It's just, yet again, confusing that, hey, let's fire a guy that has the experience and we just gave an extension to for a guy that's brand new. In this role, no, it's it's it is a bold move, but it's mm-hmm. the most sudden things that happen. You know, it's like bold move, cotton. We'll I, see if it pays if off. If any team's going to go ahead and fire their you know GM at at the start of the NBA season and then hire a guy with no experience, basically fresh out the league from playing, it's the Suns. Just when we thought the Suns Suns couldn't get Suns, and we yeah. also saw this with, I mean. You look at Magic Johnson, and Magic Johnson was pretty much, you know, made president of basketball operation. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, how's this going to work? He's never done right. this in basketball. And then yep. he goes up and gets Rob Polinka, who was an agent for most of his career. And so far, that's been working well. Obviously, they went out and got LeBron James. It's helpful that he, you know, they're mm-hmm. with yep. one of the most storied franchises in NBA. GM Fran- of the year you know, right there. Franchises, and he is <laughs> Magic Johnson. But still, you went out and got LeBron James. And you mm-hmm. look at the drafts, so far, they've been pretty good for the Lakers. So, I mean, it's not really the experience that I'm worried about. It's just the fact that... The timing is so odd, and like you look yeah. at the the way that this team has not succeeded for six mm-hmm. years. I don't think it's fully Ryan McDonough's fault. I mean, you look at my whole career outside or my whole life, <laughs> my whole life. You look at their success, and it's boiled down to Steve Nash. Yeah, like that's well, all it is. And Steve Nash, D'Antoni, and Stoudemire. And that's the yeah. one thing. If like Z was on, I'd ask him because he's the um, Z. Phoenix hit us in reference. the comments down below. Yeah, he will. Um, I was seeing stuff where people were like, should the Suns make Steve Nash the next GM or try to get him to be the next GM? And that's what I kind of relate the Magic Johnson thing to is Magic Johnson. I think the whole reason why we never had that doubt with him taking the role in L.A. 
is because he is Showtime. Mm. If anyone understands the Lakers, it's Magic doubts. Johnson. There was definitely now doubts. there is the can he pull it off and get a guy like LeBron to True. come, which he then we said. We laughed about the Paul George thing, obviously, mm-hmm. like that. That kind of blew up in the Lakers' faces of, oh, we're not going to pay anything for him. Yeah. He'll come on his own. I'm sure there was a behind-the-door-closed collusion case Mm -hmm. that kind of went down there, but uh, yeah. But I mean, it's not all. It it hasn't been perfect for him, but it's been an impressive start. I think the would you guys have wanted them? Would you guys have wanted them to make Steve Nash the GM, or is that like a no former, like a former Suns player? I would rather have Steve Nash than James Jones. I mean, Steve Steve Nash has been currently working underneath the the Warriors regime, and has been there for a fairly decent long time. Like, I mean, he knows Phoenix. He has one in Phoenix. I think it's better than James Jones. I mean, I think James Jones, well, he, he was a son uh, throughout his career. Is Steve um, Nash front office or is he assistant? Player development consultant. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he's not like, you know, he's I, not making I, significant moves, but no, he is, I would uh, think he's got a Steve Nash would be more of a coach than a front office kind of guy, in my mind. But I think when you, when, when if you're a, able to coach you are still able to be a general manager and that's why we do see the the, the flip not at the what same time right no, not at the same not time a... <laughs> but i mean you even look at steve kerr steve kerr was a former gm i think of the Suns, and obviously he's mm-hmm. done he's had a fine coaching career i think doc rivers would be a fine gm but he also has to coach basketball um i don't know about thibodeau um <laughs> but i mean i think you can be a successful i mean you can also look at phil jackson too um but i think you can be a successful gm yeah. and also you know have coaching duties because obviously you're not managing day-to-day operations technically and game-to-game operations. Mm-hmm, right. But you still are looking at these players, seeing how they're doing, how they need to grow, and you're also still building culture. And that's one thing that James Jones is at least talking about. He wants to make it easier for these young players to grow and succeed. And maybe that's not something that Ryan McDonough was able to do because we look at Devin Booker, although he's been fantastic. Um, you look at every other player he's drafted, they haven't really turned out to be great. Um, Josh true. Jackson, obviously too ter- early to take that out. Tyler Ulis, who they took already off the team. Alex Len off the team. We look at Bender. It's tough for him to develop. Marcus Marquis Chris already off the team. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't been able to develop these young guys. So I and look at him and he wasn't that's... able to build a culture out there. Yeah. And you look at his first year where he did have success, and that was basically a team that was given to him. He already had Gordon Drogic. He had um I think uh Tyson Chandler was on the team. Uh anyways. Was that the team with like Isaiah was on the team, Isaiah but I think he Thomas signed it after and, yeah. he got on. So that I think Isaiah was his move, um, but all in all, it's just mm. oh Eric Bledsoe that was the guy I was yeah. thinking of. Um, but all in all, I mean like Ryan McDonough. While I think he does have a bright future, I think he will have a GM job again. I don't think it's bad that they fired him. I just think it's the weirdest timing in the world, like everyone else does. Yep. That Suns roster had Barbosa, Bledsoe, Dragic, Fry, Goodwin, Green, Len, Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, Plumlee. Ish Smith and PJ Tucker. Thank you. Only guy I drafted was uh, Len. Out of what, that, what a stud-filled roster. Yeah, and who you know who their coach was? Jeff Hornacek. There you go. The guy that Your I love, and yeah. he got fired after a year in New York. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It's just weird that the, the it happens sons. at some point. But we can't say that because that comes when when it comes to the draft. No, they did it to themselves this time. True. By firing their GM. What eight are we days saying when the, the Suns got Suns? What do you mean? It's just bad mojo. It's like Manny being Manny. Yeah. Kinda. It's just, it's like, ugh, not good. It's like, what do you expect it's out of the Suns as an organization? Mm-hmm. That's what's So, okay. The so most likely outcome for a Suns. An inept is move from an inept organization yeah. is what you're trying yeah. to say. Okay. I think that's fair. Because, again, who the fuck is firing their head coach? After three games? Not even three games. I thought it was three games last year. I said, oh, who's firing their GM before this season even starts after you gave him a draft? Like, that makes no sense. Draft and free agency. So, unless James Jones had a huge 
um, deal with the with the. Maybe whole he laid out a plan how you know the Suns team is going to be right back in the thick of things in a year or two. He kind of had an easy job too. It's like you have the number one pick, pick Aiton. So I think that That's maybe would have been easier. But then also again, he's, you still let him trade away that twenty twenty one. He could pick. So he mm-hmm. could have gone up and gotten a point guard in the draft named Shea Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> Which, by the way, about Shea Gilgis, you know, it's the best thing yeah. I love about him. What's that? His jersey. That's pretty. How good. it's like the it's name has to arch around. around. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter too, guys. That's crazy. So, <laughs> I don't even have month Twitter. Month old new. Don't have Twitter. I, like I, watch I, just, I just like how it wraps around. It's the and longest name ever on the jersey. How, how often do we talk about Shea Gilgis Alexander? Well, I think every podcast. We're since he's been drafted. Eventually. I think we've talked about him every single podcast. And he'll be a wet boy every week. Probably not. No. Um, <laughs> anyways, I don't know. The Suns are a mess. Nothing's new. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what it is. So there's your Ryan McDonough talk. I was wrong about Ryan McDonough. Oh, well, I still think he gets a job uh, in, in the future. I don't know where it's going to be, but, I mean, he worked Minnesota. under Dave. Yikes. What if they fire Thibodeau, fire Layden, and then hire him as the GM? Yikes. Because what other team is going to get rid of their G? Uh, has a GM that's going to be I think on the way need a, I don't think he, he doesn't need a job right now. No, but I'm saying, like, find that's, someone else. that's the next team that's Ooh, I'm no. looking at, like, Kangs. are going to fire their GM. I don't think he's going to get a job. For an office. I, I think he's going to be a free agent when it comes to next offseason. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be that's a very he, soon hire. That's when he could get hired. David Griffin would be right back. That's true. Where's David Blatt? You know? Where Where are these guys? We'll yeah. see. Um. Anyways, that are our thoughts. Those are th- that are our thoughts. That are that, are, that thoughts. are our thoughts. But let's jump into the next topic, and that is Dejounte Murray tearing his ACL. It was announced by the Spurs on Monday, the day after um, we posted our Western Conference uh, predictions. So thanks, Dejounte, for that. Um, so now everything's going to change. We're going to talk about their playoff um, expectations in this video. But looking at the Spurs roster, they also suffered an injury to uh, what's his name, uh, White, Derek, Derek White. White. Um, and Lonnie Walker. So now yeah. they're going to be guardless. And really for probably the most, I think, first two months, because I think White's injury is six to eight weeks, and I think Walker's is the same. So probably the first month for sure, they're going to be out you know, three guards and Murray for the whole season. So looking at this loss and losing Parker and losing Ginobili in the offseason, you did gain DeMar DeRozan. What are your guys' thoughts on the San Antonio Spurs and their outlook for the season, losing a guy who was the second player or second team all defense last year? Rut row. I, to me... <laughs> That's it? Well, to me it was... You're, all you're going to give me is a Scooby-Doo quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let Ricky go first, well, but he I wasn't mean, talking. So. For me it was, I because I saw the comment when our predictions went up, and maybe, like, maybe Dave's predictions may change. Mine doesn't. Sixth in the West. They're really? still going to be a playoff team. So they lose. They didn't have Kawhi last year, and they still made the playoffs. And now they get DeMar DeRozan, and now because, ooh, we lost. Like, Jazante Murray is good. He is good. But, yeah, just because we're going to lose him, we're not going to make the playoffs now? No, you're ridiculous. You also lost Tony they're, Parker, and you also lost Manny Ginobili. This team will still be a playoff team. Trump hands and all. They will still uh, so be a he playoff is going team. Over there. So you're going to go six seed. Maybe with, not the exact six seed, but I said that's what you said. That's what you're no, 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 about. No. That's where I had them. If they finish eighth, okay, I'm wrong. But they're still going to be at least one of the top eight teams in the West this year because I'm going to pull a page out of Dave's book. They have Greg Popovich. Well, like Dave, he's going to get it done, and he's going to get this team to the playoffs. Clearly, you're on the outside. I think rut row means you're on the opposite of where Ricky is. So, what are your I thoughts mean, on at least what he said and how this is going to affect the Spurs? 
I, I'm thinking it's going to affect the Spurs heavily. I, I think the lack of a guard, like, I mean, yeah, we'll probably get DeMar DeRozan averaging like seven assists or something. Like, he's going to be their assist leader. You know, Paul Gasol in second place. Oh, did you see that preseason game? Paul had 10 assists? Like, come on. You, you talk about big passing, you know. He's a savvy guy. I mean, he's basically like an old man Jokic. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but didn't land. Did not land. Because uh, it's not true. He's the best passing big above the age of 30. Congrats. Yeah. Maybe maybe second after Al Horford. But it's a unique thing. It's weird. I still think, like, DeMar DeRozan's going to end up with, like, seven assists a game playing, like, a hybrid guard role. They'll just roll out an extra wing. It's not good because I really, really like DeJounte Murray. I think we, we loved his athleticism, his length, his uh, ability to get to the bucket creatively. So, obviously, losing three guards now in the preseason or before the season's even started is going to be rough. I think they're going to find... Ricky's sort of right in the matter of, like, it's Greg Popovich. They're going to find next man up, Brian Forbes, is going to play Brent. major minutes. Brian, yeah. Brian, sorry. I always want to say Brian. I know it's not Brian. But, yeah. There's there, no vowel. There's no, well, why is a vowel in that one? Yeah, but, like, there's no other vowel. Yeah. It's but, not Bri- Brian. Whatever. Whatever, <laughs> man. You're harsh in the buzz. Uh, yeah, so other guys are going to get playing time. You still have Patty Mills out there. It's going to be an interesting lineup, and he'll, they'll, they'll get creative. I mean, they'll run Paul Gasol to, at the uh, you know, point guard position for some sets of shit. Sure. Shut up about Paul Gasol. No. <laughs> for some reason, we talk about Paul Gasol and Shea Gilders and well, Alexander every la- podcast. Last year, or last week, it was Al Horford. Now it's Paul Gasol for Dave. <laughs> and centers. Jake loved that, uh, the, the Al Horford stuff. Did I mean, he? Yeah, it's most <laughs> likely going to be their starting lineup with DeJounte Murray out now. Patty Mills, DeMar DeRozan, uh, probably Rudy Gay at the three. Yeah, absolutely. Aldridge at the four, Gasol at the five. I still don't see how this team's going to shoot. And Murray wasn't a great three-point shooter, but this is going to affect their ability to space the floor. And also, it's going to affect their defense. Dar Rosen isn't a great defender. No. I mean, the Marcus Aldridge is probably their best defender now. Um, And then you look at Rudy Gay, not a great defender. Paul Gasol puts himself in the right places. Yeah. I don't know if I want to put him against, like, Joel Embiid every night, but I think he can at least be decent defensively. He's able to at least be know where he's supposed to be. They added Bellinelli in the offseason, which I think is an underrated move, but he's not really a leader, at least, you know, racking up assists. I don't see him being a— incredible like running shots yeah i don't see him really being a facilitator and that's the biggest thing that i think murray's going to lose is having to be forced into that role and forcing him to grow because i think the spurs consistently have been pushing him slowly to grow obviously that first season was a little bit you know let's get your feet wet every now and then you're not gonna have a huge role but you're gonna have a role right last year was all right now we're gonna give you real minutes we're gonna make you a significant part of our team and look what it you know happened. He was second all defensive team. It was, it was um, an impressive jump. And now we look at this year, and I was pretty much now we're going to develop your offensive game. And we added a guy into Marta Rosen who's going to make that immensely easier for you. Have Rudy Gay next to you is going to make that immensely easier. We're going to have real Marcus Aldridge who was a top eight finisher in MVP voting mm-hmm. next to you. And we're going to have Paul Gasol who's going to be able to at least keep the flow going with his passing abilities and, and spacing, also scoring. Yeah. Um, and I think this was probably the biggest thing that's going to hurt is Dejounte Murray's future because. This was going to be the next step, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously next year can still be possible, but we don't know if Rudy Gay is going to be around next year because he's still making a ton of money. We don't know what the DeMar DeRozan status is going to be. Uh, I think LaMarcus is still tied up because they extended he him. Is. Paul Gasol is really old. Like, we don't know what it's gonna ha- <laughs> what's going to happen with this roster, what it's going to look like, and if this team's going to even have pop next year. So 
DeJounte Murray totally gets screwed out of this. And I think, you know, his loss, it's not going to lose their best ball handler because we don't know if he is their best ball handler. It still well could be DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. But it's definitely going to affect their defense. It's going to affect their team and the way it works. I still think this team can be competitive. But now looking at a team like Portland, who does have their two stars in place, and their role players are not injured, while they might not be great role players, they're not injured. I really look at Portland to really overtake their spot because this was a team that was in the playoffs last year, and now you look at the Spurs. They're already down one starter. They're already down another young guard in Lonnie Walker. And Derek White, we weren't sure what he was going to be, how many minutes he was going to get, but he looks impressive um, in uh, summer uh, in what's it called? Summer league and then also preseason yeah. as well. I just, for me, I look at it where, like, you kind of mentioned it, and this is what I think of it, really the Murray injury is the only one that I think, like, obviously anything can happen this season, but, like, I look at Derek White's injury. He's out two to four. Well, unless there's, six to eight. Unless there's any, that's uh, Lonnie Walker. So okay. you've got um, you've got White, who's out two to four. That's the first, uh, if no setbacks, he's missing maybe the first 11 games because the 11th game would be on uh, Dave's birthday, November 10th. It was then you have it was first reported at six to yeah, eight. So now it's two to four. My then you have Lonnie Walker, who is that six to eight, where yeah, it's a little bit longer, but those guys will get back. And I think these Spurs team will kind of weather the storm to at the beginning of the season. And they were gonna be a team to me that needed to gel at the beginning. They'll weather it. They'll get White back. They'll get Walker back. Walker will be interesting because even as a rookie, you ex- you expect highs and lows from a rookie season. It's really the Murray injury to me. And I go back to the point of they didn't have Kawhi Leonard last year and still made the playoffs. I get the defense part. I get that Murray was going to be mm. your main point guard. But I just I, – I default to – I. I think Pop's going to figure it out, and I think DeMar DeRozan, this is the like this is the test for him too now, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you're in a different situation. You're probably going to be, yeah, you got LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, you got Paul Gasol. You're probably going to be called on to be the guy, though, now. Well, I don't think he's afraid of that, but I, I mean, also last year when they did not have Kawhi, they had mm-hmm. a lot of veterans to bounce off of. Yeah, right. And you lost two of the biggest veterans in Spurs mm-hmm. history and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. And now you're losing DeJounte Murray, and now you're going to rely on Lonnie Walker, who's never played a game with the Spurs, and you're now going to rely on Derek White Jr., who played 17 games with the Spurs. like And Brent Forms, who had, I think, one season with the Spurs. So mm-hmm. there is no depth, at least veteran-wise, outside of Patty Mills at that guard position who is familiar with the Spurs system. I mean, you don't have that same feel and natural ability and just knowledge of where to be on the floor for the point guard position. Mm-hmm. So, you know, last year you when, you know, although Paul Gasol was fairly new to that Spurs system, he was able to jump in because he was a veteran. Now it's going to be tough for, you know, the Spurs to throw in a guy like Lonnie Walker and have a ton of faith in him. Throw mm-hmm. in a guy like Derek White Jr., who's not really a passing guard, um to be like, "All right, now you have the keys to the offense." I don't know who's going to have the keys to the offense outside of Patty Mills and who's going to be trusted, and it might end up being DeMar DeRozan, but yeah. I don't think that's going to be helpful and again, Something that they really need is space. I mean, they don't have a guy to be a knockdown three-point shooter. Let me put and, it this and, way. And be a damager from outside. I'm going to throw this at you. Damager. Because in our, in our coaching rankings, who did you have as number one coach? I'm not saying Greg Popovich no, 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 can't no, no, coach. No, 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 no. Just hear me out here. Greg who Popovich. Greg Popovich. In the East last year, many people at the beginning of the year, like not maybe beginning of the year, but, oh, the Celtics, they lost Gordon Hayward and Kyrie. 
No way this team does what it did last year. No way they get to the conference finals where they're one game away from the NBA finals with a rookie like Jason Tatum, with a guy like Jalen Brown who he's still got to develop. Uh And a great coach in Brad Stevens coached them up. This team not only has a guy like and now Horford, I'll mention his name, Dave. You've got LaMarcus Aldridge still healthy. You've got DeMar DeRozan. And you got a veteran like Rudy Gay. This team, I'm not saying they're, they might not be the sixth. In a tougher West, they may end up being like the eighth. Mm. But I think that this team may be, I mean, give or take the um, competition because the East is weaker than the West. But you look at it and it's like this team is still could be in a better position than last year's Celtics team to make the playoffs still. Debate that, but still, the point is, I think we just need to Aaron Rodgers this and just relax. Here's Let what them I, play regular season games. Here's what I will say to that Boston Celtics mm-hmm. point. You look at the guards that filled in for Kyrie Irving. Marcus Barnes mm-hmm. played 207 games before that you know, that injury to Kyrie Irving, and Terry Rozier played 113. Lonnie Walker, DeJounte, or sorry, Lonnie Walker, Derek White Jr., Bryn Forbes do not have that same at least knowledge of the Spurs system. They don't have that also game experience like they had. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. And then also at the wing spot, Jalen Brown was at least, you know, if he wasn't developed as a basketball player, he was at least taking to the system his first year. And also at the wing position. We were all talking about how he was in the playoffs too, going up against mm -hmm. LeBron. Like there there was a lot of credit out there for him. Also at the wing position, we look at at least, you know, guys like Marcus Morris, who, although he was more of a power forward, he was also a veteran who was able to step in and help. Aaron Baines was also able to step step in and it took pressure off of Jason Tatum so he could flourish and and Jason Tatum was gaining confidence from mm-hmm. everyone else stepping around so yes they lost Kyrie Irving and they lost um Gordon Hayward but they were dealing with that Gordon Hayward injury since day one yeah. so they knew what was going to happen and they had Kyrie to take them 61 games mm-hmm. um and then again we still had or they still had Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier two guys with knowledge of that system to take over Outside of Patty Mills, they don't have that knowledge, even when Derek White and Lonnie Walker come back. And that's where the apples to oranges of this is. The Celtics had a lot more depth. It's can the Spurs rely on that rely on that starting five to win them regular season games, which would be vastly different than playoff games. Yeah, I mean, I think this year I, I've got them dropping off a handful more games because of that, and it does definitely put them in jeopardy of falling out of the playoffs. I think the... You mentioned, you know, the Blazers obviously are, are the golden team that would come back in, but it's going to be close. And I think the the biggest thing for me is it's a lot of pressure, but I'm going to put it on Lonnie Walker. Like, I know you're a rookie. I know you're coming off of an injury, but he needs to make an impact in his rookie year among the likes that we haven't seen out of many Spurs players. Like, he will have a serious opportunity to prove himself, and he'll have the chance, but you know, Pop, it'll be a short leash. If he screws up, if he doesn't know what he's doing out there, like I'm afraid that like if he doesn't perform, that that could be one of those things where you know the team goes from you know literally like we're talking the difference between one and two games being a playoff team versus out of the playoffs in the West. So like, don't think I'm making too big of a deal out of the performance of a rookie mm-hmm. here, but like it can be a, a well, crucial factor. I had him at eight, and I think you know with Portland close on their tr- heels, you know you lose two games, and that could be your yeah, the tenth seed that, in the West, not even the, the ninth seed. You're the tenth seed, exactly. Um, that's so, what I'm afraid of. And and even with Lonnie Walker, I mean, he's not a guard in the sense of a one guard who's going to you know dribble in, dish out, and rack up five assists per game. I mean, he was known as a slasher yep. in college. He's known as a guy that's going to take it from 
outside, attack with his left hand, try to, uh, you know, push his body in, get physical, go to the line. He's more of a slasher. He's more of a scorer. He's more in the vein of, you know, kind of like DeJounte Murray because DeJounte Murray really wasn't, you know, racking mm-hmm. up assists. Um, well, I, 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 you know, I think Lonnie Walker's bigger than DeJounte Murray, and DeJounte Murray's more of a one than he is a two. Um, or you know, maybe then more like DeMar DeRozan before DeMar really developed his playmaking ability. Um, like, I think it's tough for Lonnie Walker to be like, all right, you're a one now, even though, like, when you were drafted, he's going to be a slashing guard, and maybe he can develop into a one. Now he's going to have to develop into a one right away, and even having a short lease, that's not going to be helpful as to, as to development, and especially to be like, all right, you're going to be a one, and you have to take this team to the playoffs. I think that's a lot of pressure, and I think the best thing for the Spurs is possibly looking for a trade for a point guard, and maybe a guy that we did bring up in, in you know not too long ago, interior Rozier could mm-hmm. be an option. His contract's coming up. I don't know exactly what they would want for him, but I think you need a guy who can have that ability to, you know, be in playoff situations before, have something to prove, have the ability to dish the ball out and also score for your team and provide spacing for your team. And I think Terry Rozier is a guy that you could look out for if Kyrie's up fine, if Marcus Smart's fine, if Gordon Hayward's fine. And after a month, and we'll see what Derek White can bring, we'll see what Brent Forbes can bring, we'll see what Patty Mills can bring. If they start to get desperate, maybe they do look to a guy like Terry Rozier to bring in and help this team make the playoffs because this team does have the talent. Again, they didn't lose one of their best two players in LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar Rosen, but they did lose a very significant piece in DeJounte Murray. Even though I have faith in Pop, what Brad Stevens did last year was coach of the year level. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was fantastic well, last year. Should have been coach um, of the year. And what he did was very well recognized. That's why he's the second best coach mm-hmm. um, in our rankings this year. And you guys made the argument that he was the best coach. You know, what he did last year was spectacular, and it's not shouldn't be expected for every single coach to do that with their young players. So I think it's going to be very hard for the Spurs to find their way back to the playoffs um, and, and get to that peak where you know they're able to find a one that is going to fill in. Because Patty Mills has been there for a long mm-hmm. time, but we also have been seeing Patty Mills for his whole career as a bench guy specifically. And maybe yeah. Marco Bellinelli, who's been in the system before, is going to be able to you know do a little better as a facilitator. One of the last things I'll say is um, kind of to go off of the Spurs and G League kind of thing that they have where, hey, I'm going to find someone on our G League team and bring them up. There's just two guys that I look to that could maybe get playing time this year. A Jerron Blossom game because of what he showed. I know he's younger. He's yes. one more of those veteran rookies. More but, of a scorer, though. Yeah. If they need that, then they're going to bring him up. Or if they're looking more, hey, we need someone for the point guard, a guy that's been in the league since 2014, Nick Johnson, just screams like a veteran who, hey, I've been bounced around team, I've played in Munich, and I just fit here with the Spurs after being called up and coached by Pop. I don't think it's Jaron. I think it's Jaron, not Jaron. They're just Jaron I think it's yeah. Jaron. Yeah, right. out there. Uh, kid from Clemson. Dave, mm-hmm. final thoughts. I think it's bad, but not not freak out time. I think you gotta ride out the storm. I don't. I would not pull the trigger on any trades. I would say. This, when is the time to tr- pull the trigger then for trades? I don't think they do at all. I think After this is a Lonnie team. Walker and White are back. I, I don't think they trade this year. I don't okay. think the Spurs engage in trades, even if they do not look good. Yeah, okay. I think they're gonna ride it out. I think one way or the other, you've got a young team uh, on the guard area. Let. Lonnie Walker get the playing time. Let Derek White get playing time. Like, see what you got. And, like, you know you have a lot of talent with DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. Like you said, they're not on contract years. So you have a year. Like, this isn't the end of the earth. 
and we'll see what happens in the offseason because I'm not saying right your whole year, but like we all know this is going to be the most hyped offseason again, like three years in a row. This is going to be pretty sweet. And the whole West is going to be shook up. So I think that's your time to strike. You have an established core, another year of uh, seasoning on your guys. I, I think that that's probably their best case scenario. But how can we bank on them to bring in free agents again? Oh, like, I don't I know mean, if they're going to bring in anyone. Outside of LaMarcus, what was the other big signing they've had? That was the last big signing. But like outside of that? That was their last big signing. Have they had one Not that's been huge like that? No. Because I really don't remember. I mean, they really haven't had to because they've had Tony Parker, Mount Ginobili, and Tim Duncan for such a long time, and they drafted Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. But, I mean, they really haven't had to go out and make a splash. I don't remember the last big signing they've had outside of LaMarcus, and I, I don't no. know if they're possibly capable of doing it. I, I'm thinking more in the lines of the West is going to stab themselves over for agents, and there will be an opening for the Spurs to be the, like, steady, you know, uh, tortoise in the hair kind of style, you know? Mm-hmm. They're going to keep chugging along. They've got a great workhorse in LaMarcus Aldridge. They've got a great score in DeMar DeRozan. And I think that there's going to be a very good opportunity that next year, you know, healthy uh, DeJounte Murray, another year Alani Walker, see what they can do. I don't think they make the playoffs. You're, th- you're thinking out entirely? I think so. I'm so close to saying I don't want to. Because I, I, was, I was iffy on them p- putting him in. It's and the first time in like 20 years then, right? And it's, yeah, I love DeMar, and I think LaMarcus is going to be fine, but I, I just don't think the depth is there. And that, that they, was a big thing yeah. with Toronto last year, that they had a ton of depth. And we look at... San Antonio last season. year, they had a ton of veterans. And now we look at that bench, and outside of, again, Patty Mills, who's most, most likely going to be a starter, Bellinelli, um, and then outside of the guys, you know, I, at least on the bench, I mean, outside of Patty Mills, who can flip, and Bellinelli, I don't, Quincy Pondector is your next, you know, big veteran, I guess. Yeah. Like, there's not a ton of veterans on this team. Pray God have- that Tony Parker pulls a Derek Fisher and retires and comes back to play for you. <laughs> Or Manu. Uh, you could always... If Manu wants you know to what? retire and come back... You could always reach out to Manu. Maybe Tim Duncan wants to become a point guard. He's always practicing with him. Like, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with the point, point guard position. And at least Pop knows and R.C. Buford knows Rozier, that they're not going to get fired because no, yeah. it, was, it was an injury and outside they didn't trade Rozier, away their only point guard. anybody else they would... Like, do you see any other guys out there? Because I hear a lot of talk about like guys like Alec Burks uh, being a sell-high kind of guy this year. Mm. I don't know if he necessarily fits their mold. But, you know, I don't know if there's any other names floating around that you've heard. Well, we've heard Kemba a ton to them, but I don't think they make a, a, that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, and, and go out to get them. Because also, I don't think they have the, the ability to make that salary work uh, with... Contract-wise, yeah. yeah. contract-wise with them. Um, so I think it'd have to be a young player like uh, a, a Rozier who's still on his rookie contract. Um, who that guy ends up being, I'm not really sure. Um because it's tough to find those guys who have shown enough I mean, that you, already aren't in you starting You dig in the positions. well of the Clippers, is my <laughs> thought. You go to the Clippers, you go, you oh, guys... like a Pat Bev? You go Pat Bev, or you go with Milos. I love, I love me some Milos. Like He's a Milos. Euro. Like, the man throws dimes like it's his fucking job. That's it the thing I'm worried job. about, is, is just the, the, the passing ability and spacing. He's great so, at both of those. Yeah, it's and Pat Bev has the ability to shoot from the outside, and yep. he'll bring defense. Yeah, that's, so, that's even better, but... But so, also, do the Clippers want to move on? Are they in a sell mode? It's the Clippers. So that's okay. I'll asterisk this. I'll say if there is one <laughs> trade that the Spurs do, it's going after one of the Clipper guards. Which one is it? I want to say it's Milos because it's it, it's going to be a Euro. It's pop. It's pop. So it's, it's got to be a Euro. Go for his best the Euro. Three players. Uh, I mean, the, Pat his, did play last in best... Europe. So maybe, but. 
but I'm saying his last best three players were Lamarcus yeah. Aldridge, Demar Derozan, and <laughs> Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Leonard. <laughs> yep. So I mean, technically, Kawhi Leonard and Demar Derozan are international, correct? Because they played in Toronto. So I think they've owned homes in Toronto. So uh, let us know your thoughts on what the Spurs are going to do um, without Dejounte Murray. Whether that is coming to you know a trade wise, free agency wise. Um, and also if they're going to make the playoffs or not. Um, let us know down in the comments below. Uh, also, Milos uh, was a Serbian Player of the Year in 2016. So shout he out Milos. Great. And FIBA Europe Player of the Year in 2010. Damn, dude. I remember how much I talked him up? It's just a shame he got injured like three times over. Yeah, I was trying to find his stats and then I stopped carrying him. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Nine points, 4.6 assists per game, 84 from the line, 37 from three. Pretty good. Look at his like per. He was like, yeah, it's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I'd say like their team won. I forget like already his percentage when he was actually healthy. What do you think about Milos, Ricky? Well, I feel like it could fit. I mean, that's one they need a point guard, and like Dave said, he throws passes like it's his business or assists like it's his business. Shout out Milos. Then we'll, we'll see what we'll, we'll make. We'll pull some strings. And yeah. The thing for, I was looking for. for I was trying to find the last big like free agent yeah, you they signed. Find any because well, it was like I Robert Horry. I couldn't, and it. <laughs> I don't, think, I, don't think he, I don't think he actually played a game for the Spurs because uh, he didn't want to bring. Him. No, he's looking. Basketball at Reference doesn't. Tracy McGrady signed with them on April sixteenth of twenty thirteen. Yeah, but then he like left and played baseball. Exactly. Like didn't <laughs> he was play trying a game to get with a ring. Robert Horry, Robert Horry played for you the Spurs. You had uh, David. You had David Lee oh. in there. You had Eddie Curry in you there. Oh, David Lee, I kind of, yeah. No, David Lee was decent for them. It was all right. I'm yeah. pretty sure he was decent. I think he, he had a turnaround season. Yeah. Uh, um, Robert Horry was probably their last big signing, and he was like he shot 38 percent from the field. <laughs> Yikes! Yikes! 35 from three, which I think was good in like the dinosaur ages. Anyways, let us know your thoughts on the Spurs down below in the comments. Whether they're gonna make the playoffs, whether they're gonna trade for somebody, maybe they resign Robert Horry. Uh, let us know down in the comments below. All right, but let's move into the final topic, and we're gonna be talking about rookie expectations for the 2018-2019 rookie class. Um, Ricky was like, well, didn't we do this with Rookie of the Year? A little bit different. What we're going to do is we're going to go through all of the big names. We picked all nine names in total. Um, we're going to talk about their expectations. What's realistic for these kids? Because some people are going to say, you know, Aiton's going to easily drop 20 and 14, and, you know, Lucas still going to win the Rookie of the Year. Like, that's typically not going to happen. So we're going to talk about some of the big names, what you can think and expect from your rookie on your team. And we're going to start off with DeAndre, number one pick. And I think he's going to be very similar to Carl Anthony Towns' rookie year. Um, that was his pro, you know, comparison coming out, and I think it was pretty fair. Carl Anthony Towns a little bit smoother handling the ball and dribbling and driving, but uh, Aiton is a little more at least physical and is not going to be afraid to take it in the low post, back up, and, and use his body. As we've seen, Cat is a little bit afraid to do. Um, looking at Cat's rookie year, 18, 10 and a half, two assists. 1.7 blocks, 0.7 steals on 54.2 shooting, 34.1 from three. I think it's going to be lower on the three-point end, clearly. Um, I think Aiton will kind of pick his spots when to shoot threes. I think we will see a couple threes from Aiton, but I think it's going to be fairly rare. I think we're going to see more mid-range jumpers from him, and I don't think he's going to be super successful at that. But I think him using his body, running off pick and rolls from either Devin Booker or if they ever find a point guard is going to be successful. I think he's going to have a little bit of struggles, um, at least putting the ball in the hoop consistently. But looking at his body, it's going to be hard to imagine him not grabbing at least 10 boards a game. So I think that 10 boards is going to be spot on. Um, I expect around 16 points at the worst, 20 at the high, um, and then about 13 rebounds at the high and about eight at the low. But I think Aiton's going to have a fairly successful rookie year. Ricky, Interesting. talk about your rookie. Well, 
Your for first mine, rookie, at least. For mine, it's got to be Trey Young. And this is the guy that I am most excited for my rookie of the year pick when we did it, was it? last week. Yeah, he was my rookie of the year pick. Um, and the reason why is this kid's going to score. That game that they played at Georgia Tech, I know it's only one shot, but like he learned, like he had the talent to do it, and he's just sitting there dribbling, tie game. He looked over at Jeremy Lin, and Lin's like, do it, do it. And he just shot it, wins the game on that three, that monster three. Shades of Jeremy Lin when he was with the <laughs> New York Knicks. When was and he shooting from half court? In it was, it was what, Jeremy Lin? When was Jeremy Lin shooting from a half oh, court of Madison it, Square Garden? It, it, it was he farther was like out, two weeks. there was that, like... Um, was he shooting from half court, though? No. No, I mean, it wasn't. The, Trey Young's was a little bit further, but it reminded one shot, me. shades of Jeremy it Lin. It reminded me of that Jeremy Lin shot. No, Jesus I think Christ. that Trey Young is going to have, like, the stat line I look for is, like, 17 to 18 points per game. He's going to shoot about 40% from three this year, have, Whoa. like, six to six and a half That's... assists per game, and maybe, like, Two rebounds. Is he an all star in the East too? Like no, shit, I think son. that like he is going to be the offense for that team, and that's why he's going to be rookie of the year. Being the offense, though, I think it's going to mean more points, but mm-hmm. way less efficiency. There's no way he's going to be forty from three in the NBA, where I think he was under thirty six in college. I mean, he wasn't super efficient at the end of the the, the end of Oklahoma. I I think that also you could probably bump the assist up to to about seven. Uh, Maybe. But, I mean, the efficiency is not going to be there for Trey Young. I think it's going to be very boomer bust from him. I mean, you look at Dennis Smith Jr. last year, I think he was like 39 and 35 mm-hmm. efficiency wise. I wouldn't be af- you know, afraid to say that that's going to be where Trey Young sits. I don't think he's going to be an efficient scorer at all. Um, the points, I think, are going to be there. But yeah. again, I'm, I, I've been, yeah, you're obviously higher than I, I am on him. Uh, but I, I've never been a huge fan of Trey Young. And at least I think he's always going to be a boomer bust guy. And if he hits, for sure, he's going to be great. Um, but I think there's a high potential of him busting, especially with his body size. Um, Dave, let's move to your guy, though. So my guy's Luka Doncic. Big surprise, everybody. I only shouted about Luka Doncic for the last year. Well, um, I mean, also, I would have picked him if you didn't have the second pick. It, it's it was Ricky, how, Dave, and then me. It's funny you how you guys picked each other's Rookie of the Years to talk about that's today. That's true. That's true. I want... Oh, you picked it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah I did. I, I think that's because you didn't want to pick the same one as Sean, though. Maybe. You wanted a different one. Maybe it was. Maybe it's because Aiden's going to step stat stun. Mm-hmm. Stat stuff. Stat stun. <laughs> on, a, on a terrible team. Uh, but no, I'm picking Luca because he is going to be insane. I, I think he honestly plays somewhere. I know that the easy comparison is either, you know, Manu Ginobili or uh, James Harden, but I'm leaning more in the lines of Penny Hardaway, Brennan Roy. Like, Look at them early on. The easy comparisons of James Harden. What? That's do you not remember no, all just the phrase? Comps? Okay. No, but that's just that phrase. Like the easy, easy. comparison to MVP James Harden. Oh my god. Ugh. Whatever. And like, Hall of Famer Manu Ginobili. Yeah. So I'm picking two guys that I like. You know, Penny Hardaway and Brian Roy. Uh, bigger guards, guys who can kind of play guard and wing for you. Um, I think he's gonna probably put up somewhere on like 15, 6, and five. Uh, he really impressed me. That was his last preseason game. 15, 6, and 5. Okay. Um, this last preseason game, he was dropping dimes that looked really good. Him and DeAndre Jordan is just free money. Like, that's just going to be amazing. And he's actually cutting through defenses pretty well. I was sort of impressed. So I think it's going to be a pretty great year for him. I don't know. Six, at putting him above, you like. Think he's going to get five assists? Uh, I've got points assist, or points assist rebounds. Okay, he's a guard. so you have Sorry. six assists. I have six assists. Yeah. Okay. Just make it five boards. Um, yeah, sorry, I should do it 
points, rebounds, boy. Points, rebounds, assists, I guess. But whatever. He's a guard. I flipped the order. I do me. I think he's going to be awesome. I think he's going to be great. I don't, as you saw earlier, I don't think that he's going to be rookie of the year because I think the stat numbers from DeAndre Ayton is just ridiculous. The biggest thing with uh, Luka, though, is efficiency. Do you think he'll at least be efficient? Define efficient. Give me, give me better the, than Dennis Smith Jr. last year. Yes, okay. so much better than Dennis Smith Jr. last year. Like Dennis Smith Jr. was just chucking, mm-hmm. and that's that's bad because he. Mm, no, I think I think the only way Luca wins it this year is if the Mavs are like the nine seed or ten seed. Like if he wins some games for him and does an impressive job, because we're talking about two bad teams mm-hmm. realistically, but the Mavs have the chance because of a couple of veterans on their team, to make a push for just, just right outside that playoff push. Well, I think the big thing, the reason why Ben won last year, too, was because everyone was so hyped about the Sixers, and then they finally got there, and a large part of it was because of uh, Ben Simmons. And I'm not saying that you know oh, everyone yeah. was thinking the Jazz would be where they were, and Donovan Mitchell obviously helped them, but also think the hype around you know Dennis Smith Jr., or, uh, Ben Simmons uh, and the Philadelphia Sixers and the whole process, Ben helping them there definitely helped him win. Um, I think Aiton probably just again numbers. It just will probably might win them, overrule everything. If he if Luke is able to at least put them in a competitive situation, I think that's definitely going to help him. But I think fifteen seven seven and I think like forty five, thirty eight and eighty from the line for yeah. Luca. I think that could that's where I have him doing. That I think he's going to be the rookie good. of the year. But uh, the next guy I have um, is Colin Sexton out of Alabama. Uh, ends up going eighth overall. Obviously, he is now the guy, so his usage is going to be high. And I think that is going to be comparable to. Kemba Walker in 2011-2012. Obviously different body types. They weren't really efficient from three. Kemba shot 30% from three in his rookie year, and that was on 3.4 attempts per game. Uh, I think Colin Sexton's probably going to shoot around that in the NBA. Uh, Probably worse free throw shooter because Kemba was a pretty damn good free throw shooter, uh, 78%. But I think Colin Sexton's going to be around 12, four assists, and 3.5 rebounds with about a steal a game. I think that he's going to be... Not efficient like Dennis Smith Jr. was last year and like Kemba Walker was in his rookie year. Kemba was 36 from the field, 30 from three, yeah. and 78 from the line. I think he's going to have a non-efficient year, but I think he's going to at least have the ball in his hands, opportunities uh, in his hands. Um, I think he's also going to have a lot of a, a little bit more uh, field goal attempts because he's going to have more mm-hmm. pressure on him. Uh, but I think he's going to be similar to a Kemba Walker's it, rookie year. Is he going to be the true guy, or is it going to be Kayla like scoring? Well, someone's got to like, hold the ball. Will, exactly, bring the ball but up like be a facilitator. Kayla <laughs> Love be the true number one option just because he's the veteran. One hundred percent, and he's also the best player. Mm-hmm. Or not because he's just the veteran, but he's the best player. On the yeah. Team. So yeah, he's going to be the number one option on the team for sure. But someone else has to be number two, I think, just because of young bulls Unless we get mentality. Point, point forward, I think he's probably second. Hell no, he's too slow. <laughs> oh, People will see him going on the screen easily. Did, and I no. saw Steph Curry doing a master class on pick and roll, and he was like, you had to go, like, grow, go down and grab the dude's ankles. Caleb's not going to be able to do this back. Hell no. So no, we're not going to see point, point forward Caleb. He's going to be the slowest point forward in the world. Just, I just going to be like Paul Gasol point forward. Like, you brought up Paul Gasol point forward. Well, that's because like Paul that, that's Pop would do it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they should trade for K Love. <laughs> no, point forward. Contract's too big. Paul Gasol's a great passer, though. K Love isn't. There's a difference. Uh, hello, did you not see the full court bombs he was throwing at fucking LeBron James last year? Uh, hello, the Spurs are the slowest offense in the league. He's not throwing bombs anywhere. <laughs> I'm just saying, who's he, gonna be down there, Sean? I, he could have been quarterback for Cleveland he, before Baker came. I say he he's better than Tyrod. Okay, K Love's better than Tyrod at quarterback. Give me your stat line. My the next guy. My next two actually are in the same boat of guys who played well in college, but will most likely be backup roles 
at least early on in their NBA career. The first one's Mo Bamba because, I mean, right now you look at it, they got Vucevic ahead of them in the depth chart, and they've got Aaron Gordon at um, power forward. So it's like Mo Bamba's going to find his time because of that. I'm looking more for about maybe his low end, about seven points a game. His high end is nine, so I'll settle with about eight to 8.5 is what he's going to average points. Rebounds about maybe six, and then he's going to be a guy that averages about 1.8 to two blocks a game. I think that's where, like, that's the thing I am looking most for with Mo Bamba is how do you develop defensively this year? Because I know we had the whole preseason thing of uh, and the whole fun with him and Joe going back and forth with each other on Twitter and, like, um, the defense. And Joe even said, hey, you got to learn how to defend here in the NBA. The thing I want to see from Bamba this year yeah. is kind of what – are we going to see what we saw with Anthony Davis where it was like, hey, Whoa. one no, 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 just wait. 1.8 coming out, and then he makes a leap where it's like – I'm not saying he'll have 2.8, 2.9 blocks per game in the next year's like AD had, but will he then jump his sophomore year into that I'm going to have at least two or more blocks per game in my seasons. That's what I want to see. I want him, yes, he's developing his offense, but I want to see that defense from Bamba as well. I mean, I love Bamba's potential as a rim yeah. protector, but I don't know about all defensive players. I mean, well, AD's just, a defensive player of the year candidate. I, I know, but I'm just saying early on, how does that develop this year? I'm saying he's going to have about, I'm going to go high with that 1.8 to 2, but more towards that 1.8 number his rookie year. I because I, he's going to be going up against second teams. I think I think one that could be comparable is, is maybe more of eh, okay. You know, I think you're fine. I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say gonna go hard on. Well, him. I was going to say Kristaps, and then I look at Kristaps' numbers, and he had like 1.9 blocks and like 33 percent shooting from three. Yeah. So I, I think I was just thinking maybe a little bit lesser on again. Anthony Davis is one of the best defenders, so I think it's, that's, a, it's a large It's a rough that's name to throw saying. out there, but um, yeah. stats, not the play. I got a rough one in my next one, so I'm not going to throw you too much under the bus. Go to your next one, Dave. My next one is a Troy Brown Jr. Look, I... Bring out the names. What? I, just, I like <laughs> Troy Brown Jr. Jr. 15th uh, overall. What? You guys are all picking, you know, top-of-the-line guys. I'm picking a guy who was kind of a shocker at where he was taken. <laughs> I... He, it was he he rose quick because well no of we've had a mock I think like our first we mock did we actually had around there yeah yeah we had I'm just saying experts you know so <laughs> what do they know <laughs> seriously Idiots. what do they know uh, so I got Troy Brown Jr. I think he he's gonna play a lot like Evan Turner uh, but with you know millions of dollars less so that'll be good for the Wizards I think that he's gonna probably put up like eight three and three because he's he's gonna be further down in the depth chart because you still do have uh, Sadoransky and uh, Austin Rivers out there so like he's going to be the third probably a third or second option on that second unit, but he's a guy who is going to earn more and more time as the season goes on. Like, during Summer League, he looked great. During preseason, he's looked really impressive. I think that, honestly, the biggest thing for me that I see out of him is his passing vision and his confidence going to the lane. Like, he is still a kid, but he moves like a grown guy because he's physically developed. So, like, his confidence going in the lane and going hard to the hoop is he needs to trust himself and he's got that already. So like as long as he doesn't have an injury or something, like I think he can be pretty good. I think he has good enough court vision to be that second ball handler out there. And he's size wise, 
pretty oversized, so defensively, he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 6'7 in their first mock draft. We had him uh, put at 13, you and I, to the Knicks. Ooh. And then uh, Ricky had him at 14, so he went, ended, ended up going one spot behind. We were pretty um, good, man. Yeah, I also had Hamadou right before him, so great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we were really, really spot on. Uh, the next one I got is, uh, I'm actually going to do two, two, just to throw them in there and they'll be quick. Uh, okay. Just because I would feel bad not including one if, if we include the other. Uh, the first one's Marvin Bagley. The third guy's going to have a high usage. So I think at his top peak, he can have like 19 points a game. Because yeah. they're going to have someone that needs to score. And he might what? have... What? 19 points a game. His top end. Okay. Okay. They're going to need somebody to score. And I mean, we saw what he did last year. 20 and 10 in the ACC. Did you watch Pretty the, damn impressive. Did you, did you watch any of the clips from last night? Oh, did, The game I, that was over in six minutes? I am not done with my lowest. They used Dave. all seven timeouts. In the first, like... I'm, I'm not okay. done with my low end. Okay. My 19 is if he hits everything, 19 and 8. That's his That's his, That's his. his top end. That's the most you could expect, and that might be a rookie of the year performance. His low end could be like 10 and like 7. I think he's going to get boards for sure, but it's going to be tough for him to consistently score because he hasn't looked great. He can only go to his left hand. He can't go to his right. Defenders are going to realize that. He's going to be easy to defend right away. And we also don't think his three-point shot is going to convert as easily as some do. Wendell Carter Jr. was a better three-point shooter than he was last year. So looking at it, Marvin Bagley can have a wide range of success or, you know, just disappointment in his first year. And I think if he hits, you know, his top end, um, and I think a guy that you can look to that, you know, I thought that was he was kind of similar coming out to, um, at least number-wise, mm-hmm. I think he could be similar to Chris Bosh's first year. That was 11.5 per game, 7.4 rebounds, 1 assist, um, 0.8 steals, 1.4 blocks. Um, and then you look at the three-point numbers, he didn't shoot a ton, only at 35%. I think that right. the attempts might be up a little bit. And the percentage might be down, but forty-five percent from the field, like and seventy from the line. I think that's going to be decent. Like forty-five percent from the field, seventy percent from the line, and about eleven points per game. I think that's probably where Bagley's mm-hmm. going to sit. And again, you know, both six eleven guys who could dribble the ball, um, handle it as well. I think that's where Marvin Bagley's going to sit. And the other one is Jaron Jackson Jr. The not third um, sits, and this one might be a little bit of a stretch because this is strictly based on stats. Uh, but Rafe LaFrenz is the guy that he compares to, in my mind, at least statistical-wise. I think he's going to start. Rafe LaFrenz started 92 out of his 93 games in his first two years. He only played 12 years in his uh, rookie year, so I'm just including the first two. 12 played, games in his rookie year? Yeah, 12 okay. games in his rookie year. So 93 total. Um, and he averaged 30 minutes per game, which I think you know Jaron Jackson could do. He also averaged 3.5 personal fouls per game, which Jaron Jackson will do. But also he averaged 2.1 blocks per game, which I think Jaron Jackson can do. Yeah. He also averaged 12.6 points per game, which I think that's where Jaron Jackson will sit because he's going to be like the fourth option, but he's going to be hitting threes. And Rafael Friends shot 33.6% from three, and I think that's going to – and that was on like 2.3 attempts, where I think that's where Jaron Jackson is going to be able to shit. Shoot. <laughs> and sit. <laughs> so that goes to shit. If you can find suit, good suit night. shit. It's a good night. <laughs> but I think that's where he's going to sit is around 44% from the field, 33 from three, and about a higher free throw percentage. But I think that's where he's going to end up around is 12, 8, and then two blocks. So those are my four. Who's your last one? My last one's the homer pick. I'm going with Wendell Carter Jr. You knew I was going to pick him because I was going to pick my Bulls guy. And this one's similar to Mo Bamba where it's like, I want to expect a lot out of him. The only difference is, unlike Mobamba, 
Wendell Carter could actually be starting later in the season, depending on if we move Rolo or if they just decide, hey, we're going to go with the younger talent over Rolo in the season. But this year, what I'm looking for from Wendell is I'm going to go about the same thing as Bamba with the points, maybe about eight to 10 points, a little bit higher than Bamba. But that's where I'll go about six boards per game, a little bit lower on the blocks. 1.3 is the average. I'll go like one and a half, 1.6 is the top end. So not that much higher than what I think it'll be. And I think he'll have a similar season to Draymond Green's sophomore year, where it was Draymond that year had David Lee and Andrew Bogut in front of him. He was coming off the bench, only started in 12 games. Those might be a little bit higher for Wendell, might have like maybe 20 games at the most that he starts in this year because especially... If we're in, let's say the Bulls, injuries, catastrophic happens, we're in top pick mode, going late in, screw it. Let's just throw Wendell out there to see what he can do late in the year. I'm looking more 8.5 points, 6 well, boards, and like 1.3 thing blocks. Carter is that Markin's going to be out mm-hmm. for the first couple of weeks, so he might end up being st- a starter. True. So we, we might see Wendell uh, pushed right into the thick of things. Well, I mean, I'm happening. assuming they'd go Bobby Portis. At the four. No, I've heard Wendell. I mean, Wendell and Bobby P being the bench force. I mean, either or they could go with. I mean, I like the Bobby P off the bench because he brings that energy coming off the bench, but they could do whatever they wanted. Bobby P, Bobby P, P, P. Um, It's horrible. What is wrong with (laughs) you? Give us your last damn rookie. Last damn rookie is Grayson Allen. Hell yeah. Because I got to bring it up that I called it again. To Um, the jazz. I called that shit Mm -hmm. spot on. He did. Um, I, I love Grayson Allen. I think he is an awesome rookie. I, I want to compare him out the gates to Malcolm Brogdon just because it's a multi-year college player. He's going to come and he's going to be efficient. He's going to shoot well. He can defend well. He can do everything that they need him to. The big question is obviously can he keep uh, his shit on lock under Quinn Snyder mm-hmm. before Quinn Snyder takes him out? Like, <laughs> let's be honest, Quinn Snyder. Um, so I think he's going to probably put up like seven three and two or something you know it's mm-hmm. he's not he's not gonna be the guy obviously he's, he's a bench player he's gonna have a role on that team but i think that he is going to be effective i think he's gonna give him great efficiency a la malcolm brogdon what's the average on players tripped by grayson allen this Ooh, year that stat that stat is uh <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go with two okay he'll average two trips two, per two. game yeah or are we talking two for the whole year two for the year okay well, Two, two public ga- ones. Okay. Two <laughs> public ones? Two ones where it's like, everybody knows that's egregious. Five I think, that he gets away with. I think he's getting away with five throughout the year. Jesus I think there's going to be a lot of shenanigans. So you, how many in-game game ones is the important question? Oh, they're all in-game. I'm, by, by okay. like, I'm just saying like two are, ones are going to be like egregious. That people are like, Jesus, Grayson, like, we all knew this was going to be you. Like, I told oh, you guys. And then, like, and like, and then, like the other ones are going to be, like, three screen recordings of, like, a YouTube video. <laughs> and it's, yeah. And be like, see what Grayson Allen did. <laughs> see? Look, look, he shifted his hip out over there. Clearly, he's mm-hmm. intentionally doing, like, yeah. That's a high note to end it. I'm done. We're done. <laughs> that was the highest note we can ever end uh, a Fast Break podcast on. Uh, sorry if it wasn't up to snuff. We're, we're getting back. You know, this was our bad preseason game. We needed seven timeouts for this episode. Yeah, I tell did. him to rate five stars and then... It was all right. Um, <laughs> but anyways, let us know your thoughts on these rookies and their expectations down in the comments below. Uh, we talked about DeJounte Murray, Jimmy Butler, Ryan McDonough, and these rookies. Um, next week is the start of the NBA season. That's We're going to have 
We're gonna have a wet day boy. Day one reactions. We're gonna have wet boys. We're gonna have wet boys. And we're doing our fantasy draft today, and we're gonna be giving reactions well, of tonight. our fantasy. What? Tonight. That's that's what. Today tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Just is today tonight? Yeah. It's, well, it's tonight. It's tonight today. It's not day. It's night. <laughs> I'm gonna smack you. <laughs> it's a day. It's a day. There's 24 hours in a day. We're t- we're in today. <laughs> Puts. Anyways, don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> I'm Sean Anderson. That's Dave Oster. I didn't even finish the whole thing about the fantasy draft. We're going to give you updates about a fantasy draft and the fantasy league and the wet boys. Uh, anyways, don't forget to raise five stars on iTunes. That's Dave Oster. That's Ricky Weber. I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.